Most entrepreneurs struggle to generate more customers and online leads. Lack of quality online leads means lack of revenue, and that's bad for your business. Here at Investing in the US Podcast, we have partnered up with Ardor SEO, who have developed a system to help maximize your business and online exposure. Your experience as a business owner can radically change for the better with the right SEO team. And with Ardor's system, you wouldn't believe how simple it can be. So find out more by heading over to ardorseo.com. That's A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com. Now back into the show. Things like P&L, I don't look at that at all. To me, it doesn't matter at all if the company makes a profit, yes or no. It doesn't matter for me in what sector it is trading It doesn't matter if I like the outlook of the company, that I like the management of the company, because eventually you never know if all those numbers are manipulated. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lorenz Bensdorp. Lorenz is an expert at combining multiple non-correlating trading strategies to achieve high returns no matter what the market is doing. He is the founder of Trading Mastery School. He's a best-selling author for the 30-Minute Stock Trader, and his new book, Automated Stock Trading Systems, has just dropped on Amazon, and it details the entry and exit rules for three automated systems that deal with bear markets and how to still make money even when the markets are going down. Pretty uh, pretty timely interview, I think, as COVID is, is now hitting. <laughs> but but I'm, but I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show, and I'm going to shut up and let him get out here. So g'day, Lawrence. Welcome to the show. G'day. Well, thanks for having me. 
Mate, my pleasure. It's been uh, I know we've we've had to reschedule a few times, but it's really good to to finally get you on the show. And exactly. You're dialing in from Portugal. I that hear, is right? correct. We just right? were talking. Yeah. We just we just talking before we press record. Portugal is now open. Now we're we're recording this on June 12th. I don't know when the podcast will go live, but you are a bit of a nomad, right? You travel around the world because you are an independent stock trader, right? Exactly. And I mean, that's one of the great benefits, of course, of, of uh, trading basically online, uh, that it is not location dependent. And uh, Portugal was one of the first countries in Europe actually to opening up. And um, it's a lovely place over here, uh, renting an apartment uh, with nice sea view, uh, close to Lisbon. And uh, it's lovely over here. So um, yeah, it's great. Love it, love it, love it. Well, before we get into the nuts and bolts of what you do and the systems you've created around your two books, um, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? My first ever dollar as a kid? Um, I think I was nine years old and um, I started a, a ping pong school. Um, mm. We had at that time, the, uh, at that time, I think that was quite a privilege that we had a ping pong table and um, nobody else in the neighborhood had that. And uh, I really like to play ping pong a lot. And then I said like, okay, everybody else can come and we can start a, a ping pong club. And um, I think I charged like, a, what is it? A, 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 at that time it was like a guilder, which is like half a euro or so per month or so. Uh, but that's kind of how it's how it started and how I kind of could see as an entrepreneur that like, hey, you can actually make money when you offer a service. Mm. Right. No. And for those people listening out there, a guilder is the Dutch currency back before the euro was brought into place, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so for those people listening, you can tell Lawrence is not from America or not from Australia. He's actually from uh, where my where my heritage is from, which is the Netherlands, a great great place. And we were just discussing before we press record here, a little place called Nunspeet, which is about two hours from Amsterdam, where my opa and oma grew up, and uh, cool. I visited many times growing up. So, but anyway, Lawrence, enough about me. Let's get into your story and and maybe let's walk us through the journey that you've you know you've obviously built some success today, but it hasn't happened overnight. So walk us through you know university and how you got the entrepreneurial bug to start creating a really a freedom lifestyle which it sounds like you travel the world right you know trading stocks but that didn't happen overnight right so maybe you walk us through uh, the backstory absolutely uh yeah you mentioned the word university um i never even got to university um i think from when i was young on i always wanted to have uh liberty for myself and i wanted to have uh a lifestyle that 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 really had all my dreams in there, which was traveling, etc. Um, but it took a long while before I uh, got to that point. Actually, um, I mean, when I started, like with my with my professional life, I started as a whitewater rafting guide and as a ski instructor. Uh, so you do uh, the summers, you do whitewater rafting, and then the winters, you do ski instructing. Uh, mm-hmm. which was which was a great time. Uh, it was lovely uh, when you're 22, 23 years old, etc. It's really good fun and everything. But there came a time um, when the intellectual challenge of that was kind of lacking. And um, at that specific time as well, um, the family business, uh, they had a small venture capital business 
was in quite some trouble. And uh, so I got a phone call uh, from my dad and he basically said like, listen, um, I need somebody who can really help me with this and who I can trust, etc." So I said, okay, um, no problem at all. Um, there was quite some money involved in there and it was really going south. So um, I went back to the Netherlands and basically jumped into a business that was totally new to me. Um, but I've always had a very large affinity with finance and with numbers. So um, I just dove in very deep, um, working 18 hours uh, a day and uh, kind of started to figuring things out, et cetera. And that was a large re reorganization that I needed to do, et cetera. But a part of that uh, business was also the stock trading part. And that was the part that uh, most grabbed my attention. And the reason why it grabbed my attention is that at that time I saw, and that was um, beginning 2000s, um, I could see like, hey, listen, you could actually make money from anywhere in the world by buying low and selling high. And that sounded so incredibly appealing to me. Of course, it sounds very simple and very easy to do that. In reality, uh, you see when you start that it's a very different story, of course. So um, I started to educate myself a lot with that and uh, read about 500 trading books, more or less. And um, I noticed that the, the bankers that were managing the money of the family were absolutely doing a terrible job. Um, you hear that more, and um, this was in the 2000s, basically, where we just had that big uprun of the dot-com boom where everything you bought was going up, but then we had that bear market, basically, and everything was going down big time, so I just decided to liquidate the complete portfolio, and um, from that time on, really educate myself. And um, so I started myself as well as an independent trader, uh, besides the work I was doing for the uh, venture capital business. So I started with a $30,000 uh, account. And to me at that time, it made total sense. Like, okay, I can make a living out of it and um, earn every year like $100,000 with that. It sounded totally logical. And it didn't work out that way. It um, didn't work out at all that way. It was the best ever lesson I could get in my life um, because the account basically went to zero, <laughs> um, which is, I think, always a very good learning curve um, when you really want to become successful in that because you get to respect the, uh, the risk side of trading and everything. So um, at that time, I didn't give up, though. I kept educating myself. And then step by step by step by step, things started to get better. But it was a huge, large learning curve um, until I uh, discovered ways that you could actually uh, not base your trading decisions on fundamental trading, where you kind of use a crystal ball and then predict where the market will go. Um, but I discovered a different way where you actually do quantitative trading 
where you base your trading decisions, your buying and your sell decisions on previous price action, uh, and everything is done by the computer. And that really grabbed my attention. I specialized in that part. Um, and since 2007, I hired a programmer. I had a lot of trading ideas, but you need to see if those ideas actually make money, yes or no. But from that time on, uh, the curve really started to go up um, every year. So that was kind of the start of where things really started uh, to look good. Um, and I started to make money. And then there was something else um, so I had that, that new approach that really worked and it's approach that has been proven uh, that is successful. But in markets, in stock markets, we have bull markets and we have bear markets. Um, best example is if you see 2009 to 2019, markets went up, was very nice, very easy making money. And then suddenly you see uh, COVID coming and the markets drop 30%. So... In my case, I um, already positioned myself for that in 2007, where I was trading both long and short at the same time. So you basically uh, invest on the long side to make money when stocks go up, but also another part of your portfolio, you short stocks, which means that you make money when the market and those stocks go down. So then came the 2008 bear market, the big crisis, where the S&P 500 had a 56% drop. And those were one of my best years. Mm. I made a huge amount of money at that time, um, basically because the, the downfall was so strong and I was positioned really well on the short side with that. So from that time on, I knew like, okay, I do not want to have a bias and predicting the market goes up or the market goes down. No, I let my systems tell when to buy and when to sell. Got it, got it. Well, I, I think that's really important in today's world. And yeah. uh, you know, this, this, this podcast is more geared towards real estate investing. I wanna dive into how you assess different businesses based on P&Ls and based on the strength of capital on hand. So maybe walk us through some of the sort of maybe four to five things you look for in order to make sure that you created this automated system. So that looked, so that, that then went and looked for those things in yep. different stocks in order to say, yes, this is the right one to buy. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question because things like P&L, uh, um, I don't look at that at all. To me, okay, interesting. it doesn't matter at all if the company makes a profit, yes or no. It doesn't matter for me in what sector it is trading. It doesn't matter if I like the outlook of the company, that I like the management of the company, because eventually you never know if all those numbers are manipulated. Uh, mm. Great examples are with uh, WorldCom and Enron uh, back in the days that, uh, that got bankrupt. And in Enron, they had like huge uh, manipulation with bookkeeping and everything. So those numbers, you really need to take them with a, a big grain of salt, actually. And um, so my approach is purely based on price action, where I scan the complete universe of U.S. stocks 
and um, there's different styles. So a simple style is trend following, where I say, okay, I look at the previous price action over the last six months, and if I see that the trend is up, I say, okay, this is a good moment to buy because I expect the trend to continue. Now, there's a big important rule in there where it, that when it doesn't work out, you cut your losses short straight away. And you say, okay, it's not working out, so I take my loss. And that's something which is very difficult for many people with trading because we're learned at school um, to always be winners, have good grades, etc. cetera. Um, but you could actually end up with a strategy that is only 35 or 40% of the times uh, of your trades are profitable, but your winning trades exceed your losing trades by a factor of three, four, or five. So it's all about measuring previous price action, and based on that, you make the decision to buy, and when the trend is over, then you sell again. So there's no... Um, uh, looking at all at any kind of company numbers um, or expectations, if profits have exceeded or not exceeded. No, because we basically um, have a statistical model where we define everything based on statistical edges. Got it. So I guess the the big question for me comes with your six-month time horizon. Surely you'd want to look a little bit further back in order to, you talk about risk and managing that risk to to make sure you're seeing the right snapshot. Because sometimes when you look at something, six months may not tell the true picture that you might need to look a little bit further, like 12 or 24 months. So so talk to me about that. So so do you try and look as far back as you can or the six months is is, is a rule that you are hard and fast by? No, I have different systems with different look backs and um, uh, you can have trend following systems where you say you enter in the trend very early that only have a look back of 30 days and you hope to catch the complete move. You can also have trend following systems where you say we look back to uh, the last 24 months and see we see a large and sustained and good trend. So let's jump on that wagon and ride that trend basically. Um, It really depends on what your personality with that is. I think both have pros and have cons. What I do, I combine those systems. So I have different systems with different lookbacks and combine them in one blended suite of systems, basically. Got it. Got it. And so with the buying side of it, what else goes into, we said trending. So what, what, what does actually mean for the layman who's out there who wants to get involved in stock market trading, excuse me, about what is the trend look like and how does a company or how do you look at the trends meaning like what yep. is the what is the fundamental data that are to, to make a trend look good in your eyes um on a very simple way if you look at a graphic at yahoo finance or something from a stock over the last year and you look from the left side to the right side and you see that the right side is higher, so it goes like that, Mm -hmm. from left low to right up, you see that the trend is up. It's that simple. There is no no incredible, complicated math involved with that. But you need to have 
some kind of mathematical formula to quantify sure. that so that the computer mm -hmm. can make those decisions for you. Which, you, which, you, which would be taking the 12 month low and the present high and making sure that it is in the positive, right? You don't want to net, because exactly. a positive would mean it's yep. trending a, upwards, a, negative a simple, would, be, would mean trending A simple down. rule could be um, the close of today is 15% um, higher as the close uh, 12 months ago, for example. Right. That would give right. you an indication, although you still do not know exactly what happened between those times. Mm. Um, but that could be a very simple uh, indication. And you've got things like indicators as well, moving averages, where it kind of um, uh, measures the average of the price action over a certain period of time as well. And if it's above that average, then you say, okay, the trend is up. Got it. So okay. So you're saying that you look, you do look at other data. So it's the average of the price of the stock over a period of time. And when you see that average starting to tick upwards, that is also another indication of an upward trend and thus would be a good time for the computer to say, yep, let's go ahead. Exactly. Absolutely. Yep. And then I said, I guess on the converse side, once it starts trending negatively or that average starts to drop, do you have a, a floor or a ceiling? I should say, maybe it's a floor um, where it just automatically sells. Like it's, it's dropped, you know, 2% over a period of a month and it just automatically sells. Is there, is there flaws set in your system to make sure that you are hedged against any real um, you know, crash? Yeah, I think with, with trend following, and that's just one part of the styles that I trade, I trade other styles as well, but with trend following, okay. the key is that you want to let your profit run. But in order to do that, um, you need to give that stock some space as well. Because um, ideally, we want to have a stock moving in a 45 degree angle from left to right <laughs> uh, without any drops down, etc. Uh, that unfortunately is not the case. So there will be uh, times when a stock drops maybe five, 10% or so, etc. So um, as a general and simplistic uh, rule, we can say um, like as soon as you're in positive territory, uh, we use what we call a trailing stop which means that you move your, your exit up as long as the stock keeps moving up, which means right. that eventually you're going to give back a part of the profit. That's mm -hmm. the hard part for many people as well, because we want to look for the perfect, uh, the perfect exit point at the absolute high and say, I got it completely right. It doesn't exist. Um, right. We can't predict that. We, we only can predict like, okay, we can stay in this and just ride that trend until it's over. Right. I was actually speaking with another gentleman um, on the show earlier, a couple episodes before this one, uh, um, uh, Richard Smith, and he was talking about that exact that exact thing, the stop the stop gap. What was it called? The, tr uh, the trading stop where you have a 20% or 25% yep. If it drops 25%, automatically excels. And so to your point, you might have gone up 50%, but it's dropped really quickly or it's dropped back 25%, boom, automatically the floor is following the profit. Yep. And so, so he takes the emotional out of it because he was talking about the psychology of 
investors, right? And there's this whole thing of when you're down or you're negative, so you're trying to really always get back to one, I get back to positive. Once I get back to break even, I'm going to sell. Yep. The same idea is, is when with profits, it starts burning a hole in your pocket. Oh, I could just keep holding on for a little bit longer and all of a sudden you hold on for way too long and then boom, you're back to where you started. And that's, or even the and that's exactly the worst thing possible. I've seen people um, going bankrupt, although 90% of their trades have been profitable. But it's that other right. 10% where they buy at $30, but they let it drop to zero because they're not <laughs> able to take their losses. Um, and that's the same with real estate as well. I think uh, to a certain degree, when you buy a property um, and there comes a time when you say fundamentally, I just don't think real estate or having this property is looking good. Uh, you might want to cut your losses and say, I'm, I, I sell this with a loss. And that is with mm. trading incredibly important, but it, it goes very much against our nature. Um, our nature is that we want to have a winning thing. So we say, well, I just wait until it comes back to break even. And then mm. I get out. Right. <laughs> because you want to be right. And yes, yes. That's what yes. you makes you feel good, you know, when you're in the bar <laughs> or you have a dinner with friends and you say, yeah, I was in that stock, was a hard one, but um, I eventually got out and actually made a profit on it. Right, right. Now, and I think the big thing about all this and from what I'm learning a little bit more, talking to more experts like yourself in the trading world is just completely removing the emotional part of it. And once you do that, you become so much more profitable in the stock market trading because you remove the emotion of the ebbs and flows of profit to loss, to break even, to all this stuff that psychology in our reptilian brain uh, tells us to the flight, uh, fight or flight. And so um, I think it's really important to have automated systems so you can protect yourself from yourself, right? That's, I think, is the most important thing and, and, and from losses. So, uh, uh, Lanz, what else are you, what other automated systems do you have um, sorry, Lorenz, I did not Lars. Lorenz, what other automated systems do you have that you can explain to us? You, you just spoke about your um, your price attention or price action or and trend. What, what else do you, you talk about in your book? So um, another style is kind of the opposite. So the trend following is a long-term strategy where you stay as long as possible in a, in a position. The opposite is a mean reversion strategy. And with mean reversion, I mean that a stock has moved up so much in price, there was so much greed in there that at a certain point, statistically, the odds are so much against you that the stock will continue to move up and the odds are much more in your favor that it actually will drop. And that's what you can do with backtesting and automated systems, what I do. And those stocks, you actually sell short. So you sell the stock, and you buy it back once it has reverted back to its mean again, which generally is a trait which is a lot shorter in duration. So if you see uh, a simple example could be that a stock over the last four days has moved up 20%. Mm -hmm. So that means there was a lot of greed in there, etc. And statistically, um, if you short that stock, 60% more or less of those trades three days later will have a lower price. 
So that's a statistical edge. So the edges are, uh, are quite clear there, but it is a shorter term trade. So those strategies do very well, of course, when you combine them with the trend following part. Right. Interesting. So you're combining a couple of things there to make sure that you're you got the trend going up. You got your you're buying at a, a you know a short you're shorting the market or shorting the stock in terms of if it comes back to a more mean average to thus then know when to sell or buy. Yep. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Got it. So tell, talk to me a little bit about what you think in what's happening here with COVID and the reaction to the the U.S. stock market and how it did it has rallied over the last couple of weeks. What are, you, what are your sort of thoughts around that, even though, you know, fundamentally, you know, we've got high unemployment, um, we've got a lot of stimulus in the market, a lot of money's out there, uh, you know, low interest rates. Do, do you look at any of that sort of stuff? Not at all. And thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, I do not, actually, because from a rational standpoint of view, um, it doesn't make any sense that with COVID, with all the unemployment, with country still closed, etc. Um, and the NASDAQ was making all-time highs. Now, certainly there are companies that, that are kind of exempt from a, uh, a, a uh, situation like this. Uh, Zoom is, for example, um, a good company because there's a lot more web conferences and stuff going on. But most of it, 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 from a rational standpoint of view, it makes no sense at all. And, and that is exactly why I say I don't want to have any opinion. I just follow my price action and trade according to that what the computer tells me what to do. And um, that has been very favorable. First of all, in the beginning of this year, when COVID came, um, the market dropped like a stone. And mm -hmm. I had my short-term uh, short-selling positions in place that make money when the markets drop. They protected the losses of the long positions that I had in place. Now... When it dropped so fast uh, and suddenly we saw the S&P 500 with a 30% uh, negative, et cetera, uh, it then really started to recover very fast. Um, it's quite normal that after a while things recover, um, but you would, I would never ever have expected or predicted uh, that two months after the start of uh, the real COVID, that we would have seen all-time highs in uh, the Nasdaq market. It would have mm. been totally, um, uh, there's nobody at that time that predicted that. Right now, yeah. in hindsight, they say, yes, it all makes sense, etc. But at that time, the whole world, everybody was incredibly negative. But um, why it happened, I don't know. But uh, once the market started to move up again, those long-term trend following systems started to kick in again and started to ride that trend up again. And um, so with, with, with markets like these, when there is so much uncertainty um, uh, about the future, um, but still you do not know what the actual stock market is going to do uh, according to 
what President Trump says or according what the unemployment uh, rate is. I mean, first there was an expectation that the unemployment rate would be 20%, and then they, revi they revised it to 16%, and the markets, they moved up like crazy. Although from a right. rational standpoint of view, 16% is not necessarily a, a lovely number, of course. And um, if you can take that emotion out of it and just follow the price action and say, okay, this is what it is, then it's fine. And um, that means that during a whole time like that uh, with COVID, uh, for many people, it was a, um, psychologically a very difficult time. Um, if you have an automated systems that trade both in bull and bear markets, uh, for me, it was a very comfortable ride actually interesting okay so you you haven't experienced major loss in the last two months right no absolutely not i mean i'm i'm up for the year great that's fantastic and i think that's it goes back to the point of taking the emotion out of it and, and having the systems around you in place yep. for both bull and bear markets to be successful and stop taking the guesswork out of it and, and, and get your brain out of it and, and just rely on what the computer says and what the data says. Exactly. And I think that's, yeah. it, you know, the last couple of interviews I've done with stock traders, it seems like that is always the case these days. And, and reading, you know, Ray Dalio's book of principles, that's exactly what he talks about. You know, looking, looking at developing a system so it is foolproof and it's a system not relying on people. It's, exactly. it's a system relying exactly. upon, upon because data. Because it's, it's, so. it's so hard to predict things and um, if you just have a model uh, where you have 25 years of data where you can see how it worked in bull markets, how it worked in bear markets, how it worked in sideways markets, in volatile markets, in non-volatile markets, then you've got a lot better idea of what you're actually trading. And um, it doesn't matter what the market does then. If, if we are going to get a depression scenario like the 1929 uh, depression uh, where the Dow Jones in two and a half years dropped uh, I think 86 percent or so um, yeah. which 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 would be a disaster I mean uh, nobody would like to um, to see that but for my systems I don't care I'm, I'm totally fine with that if that happens for my systems but I don't want it to happen, of course, because there's a lot of other economic things that that uh, that would impact it. But but for my account, no, I mean um, it would be very comfortable, actually. Got it, got it. Well, I know you've got a new book out about automated systems. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Has that actually launched? I mentioned in the in the intro. When is it launching? Because we probably this podcast won't go live. It's now June fourteenth. It will probably go live June twelfth. It could go live probably in eight to nine weeks. So I don't know if the book will be out of that stage. Oh, it is. Or it's it already is. Out it today. is. It is. It is launched already. It was actually Fantastic. launched in in uh, a little bit earlier. So um, it's out there, and uh, you can see it over here. It's uh, automated stock, stock trading, trading systems. systems, and um, in that book, I explain. Uh, different trading styles with very simple rules on how to enter and how to exit. And all of it is backed up with statistical evidence since 1995. And um, it's interesting. So there's seven different systems in there. Uh, the last system, uh, I wish I would have um, 
published the book a little bit earlier uh, because, you know, writing a book takes a long time. Uh, but, the, right. the, but the seventh system is called the Catastrophe Hedge. Um, that was the one, of course, that did incredibly well during the complete COVID uh, crisis and made a lot of money, actually. But the key in that book as well is that if you blend those systems together, those seven systems, that is where you actually increase your simulated um, compounded annual growth rate, so your annual return, but you lower your risk because right. you trade a blend of different styles altogether. And at the same time, also the volatility is getting lower of your complete portfolio. Love it. No, I think that, and that's super important to have a diversified portfolio no matter what you're investing in. Yep. You're investing obviously in the stock market, having great things, you know, having seven different systems means you have seven different risk buckets. And the average of all those risk buckets means that you can lower your overall risk, your overall volatility. Yep. The same applies with real estate investing. The same applies with business investing. Exactly. You have to have diversification in whatever you do. So I think that's super important. Uh, Lorenz, before we wrap up the show here, tell me what you're doing. What are you traveling to for the uh, rest of uh, 2020? Are you going to be anywhere else besides Portugal? Absolutely. Um, I haven't made the plans yet um, because it, it kind of changes every day right now uh, as to where you go and what the limitations are and whatnot, um, but um, I will be in the U.S. in September as I'm hosting a seminar in uh, Las Vegas at the end of September, um, right. and uh, I generally travel around uh, quite a lot, so uh, I'm from the Netherlands originally, so uh, probably within, within the next month or so, I definitely will be there uh, visiting friends and family etc. And um, I just see wherever um, the place is where I uh, prefer to go. <laughs> Love it. Life by design, mate. You have got it dialed in by the sounds of it. Absolutely. Yes. But uh, awesome stuff. Well, look, at the end of every show, we like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Go ahead. Yes. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? keep on track of my goals is I have a spreadsheet uh, in which I have my long-term goals, my medium-term goals, and my short-term goals. And I um, take a look at where I am with my goals and I adapt them on a daily or sometimes weekly basis where I say, okay, I'm on track over here. I'm off track over there. I need to adapt this and need to change that. And mm -hmm. um, the great thing about that is uh, when you do that is you see the progress that you make because it's not always about that you exactly reach that goal, whether it is a financial number or it is a business number or a health number, et cetera. But if you see the progress, that's where the fun part is. Right. Right, exactly. And I think that that's so important as you're going along this journey of being an entrepreneur and having goals, as long as you're edging towards some target and you're not staying still, yeah. that is the most important part. And Absolutely. I love how you said you, you start enjoying the process, yeah. which is really, really important. Uh, mate, who has been the most influential person in your career to date? In my trading career? Oh, personally, trading career, whatever, whatever you want. Well, both. <laughs> Um, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's currently, it's actually, it's a, it's a good friend of mine now. And, 
we, we host uh, once in a while a seminar together. It's uh, a famous hedge fund manager called Tom Basso. Um, he basically was the one that was featured in a trading book a long time ago. And what made um, his influence for me so incredibly important is what that he designed his trading according to the lifestyle and the risk and everything that he wanted. So he kind mm. of became a little bit of a mentor to me. And um, if he listens, uh, if he talks, I'm the one who listens. And um, up to day, I just, every day I learn a lot from him. Awesome. That's, that's great. No, I think that's super important to design a life in and around your financial freedom, in and around the goals of how you want to live your life. Yep. And that's and, and back into a system or a vehicle, an investment vehicle like stocks, that you can go out and live that life uh, every exactly. single day, which sounds like what you're doing right now. So, so incredible yep. stuff. Um, question number three is, what is the most influential tool in your business that you use on a daily basis? And when I say tool, it could be software or it could be you know, a physical object like a journal or a phone. What, what's, the most, what's the best tool that you use? Yeah, in my case, it's software, of course, because I use software right. to scan the complete market and to decide what my buy and sell decisions will be in uh, the stock market. Um, so that's my own software, uh, the TMS Elite software that I created basically and uh, we've built over the last, uh, what is it, 13 years or so, um, which of course has been incredibly favorable for me. Awesome. No, I think that's great. And, and uh, I knew it would be because yes. we talked so much about your automated trades. <laughs> yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. It does make sense. Uh, question number four, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career? And what did you learn from that failure? Biggest failure is not knowing my goals and my objectives. And that was a failure. I can talk a little bit more about it if you want sure. to. Yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah, go ahead. That's the short version. Um, <laughs> until I was 30 years old, I had no goal in life. I had no real objective. I didn't know that a thing like that kind of existed. Um, and that, of course, didn't move me ahead the way I wanted. So... Um, I think that was the, the, the main thing that really lacked me from not making any earlier progress. Yeah, that's, that's, that's super powerful. I think understanding and being self-aware of that and looking back on where the failures that your shortcomings that you had yep. in your, as you grow, but that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of your journey that you did. You can now look back on it and say, as in a more mature adult saying, yeah, I didn't have an objective or a goal in life in my late twenties, early thirties. I sort of felt like I was floating, but then to, to now pinpoint it down and say, this is what I need to do. And these are the goals and targets I need to go after. And this is my objective or why I want to do it. So exactly. I think that's and it's, super it's, important. I think it's so incredibly important. Um, for everybody, it doesn't matter in what kind of area you're you're working, but that you actually work on your own psychology as well, mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. we only are limited uh, by our own thoughts. I mean, right. uh, that's all it is. And 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 if you get the awareness of what you actually can create and what you can do and what you're capable of, um, it changes the whole thing um, around you. Yes. 
Yeah, completely correct. So That's all awesome. whole self very, work very... and everything. It's so incredibly important. Um, yeah. Just on that briefly, do you do much self work? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Things like meditation, uh, projecting. Um, I basically always try to maintain in a very calm mental state um, and having the awareness. Um, once I see that I get upset about something, that's just a little voice in my head that is telling me some kind of bullshit, which then this part is actually, actually believing it. And that's right. where the trouble starts. So right. if you have worked a lot on that, you kind of recognize that and you can shift that away. Mm, um, so, yeah. so the mental side is something that is, is something that I'm always focused on because, um, it, 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 um, it, it makes you more productive. It makes you more successful, but it also makes you a lot happier because it's something that is so beneficial as well, not only for business, but also in other parts of your life. Mm. You turn down that inner chatter, which we all have, right? And and you can turn it down a little bit and uh, focus a little bit more on self calm and being being comfortable in your own skin. Which exactly. I think is the most exactly. And if part. you if you're aware that that inner chatter exists and that it's not true, and you're able to <laughs> to to tell that inner chatter like, "Hey, dudes, get out of here," um, <laughs> it's it's really good. Yeah. Exactly. No, love it. Love it. Mate, last question. Where can people go or to, to, to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. Where do they go? So they can go to my website, tradingmasteryschool.com. Or they can go to uh, Amazon and just type in my name, Lawrence Benstorp. So it's L-A-U-R-E-N-S-B-E-N-S-D-O-R-P. Uh, and I've got two books. So the first one is The 30-Minute Stock Trader, uh, which was uh, published in 2017, which was a bestseller at that time. And uh, the more advanced one is the one that recently came out, uh, as we spoke about it a little bit. Awesome. Awesome. Well, mate, I want to thank you for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect a few things that I took away from today's show. And I think the, the biggest thing is respect risk. You yes. mentioned that earlier in, in, your, in the show and understanding how to build a system around how you quantify risk yep. and what does that mean for your investment trading decisions and taking yourself, your emotional self, out of the equation and letting a, a system that has got algorithms and just bases on just on the numbers and, and historical data make those decisions for you so you aren't the bottleneck of losing your own money. I think that is probably the mo the biggest thing that I've taken away from today's today's, uh, Perfect. today's show. Perfect. Um, I love that. Uh, I and, 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 you, you want totally to add anything agree else? with that. Um, no, I think that is the main thing. Um, if there's one other thing that I would like to add is um, – Stock markets do not always move up. You need to have systems in place that can work for the upside, but also for the downside. And that's very important as well, because we could end up in a time, um, I mean, if you see 1995 till now, it's been generally bullish. And if you just bought and hold, you made money. But you could also end up in a time um, where you get 20 or 25 years with no performance at all in the markets. But if you have then short selling systems in place that make money when the market go, goes down, then you actually um, are so far ahead of, I think, 95% uh, 
of uh, the professional investors as well. Right. No, I completely agree. And I think that's having, that's the beauty of what you do and what you teach is having, going back to that diversification piece, you have seven different automated systems that are for seven different ways in which the stock market can go and having a little bit of money allocated to each of them yep. helps reduce risk dramatically. Absolutely. So I think yep. it's uh, it, it's paramount to, to have diversification in anything you do. But mate, I want to thank you again for taking some time out of you today to jump on the show. Uh, we really, really enjoyed it here. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. I hope you enjoy Portugal and wherever 2020 takes you. So, But thank you very much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. It was really fun uh, to do this. And uh, thank you very much. Mate, well, we'll catch up very, very soon. Well, there you have it. A cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Lorenz. If you do have any questions for him, make sure you're getting his, hand, his copy of his book because it's going to have all the automated systems that we spoke about on today's show, the seven of them, in more detail, you know, written in a very simple and easy way to go out so you can execute. If you do want to reach out to Lorenz, make sure you head over to his Mastery School website and all the links from today's show will be on the show notes. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like this show, we've had some really great reviews online. Please continue the trend and give us a five-star review on iTunes. And we're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.